0: If you saw a loved one being kidnapped by aliens, what would you do? And then, in my never-ending quest to get this podcast taken off of YouTube, we take a look at the conspiracy. Is COVID-19 actually an alien virus from another world? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. hope you guys have some fun plans coming up this weekend. we got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, take a look at this beautiful fan art submission from Goose Motion on our Patreon Discord. This is some graffiti. This is some graffiti that he did at work. And it's awesome. He said he painted it, and other people started listening to the podcast. They probably thought he was some sort of weirdo. Satan worshiper or something. He's writing these weird glyphs on the wall. But that's amazing. Goose motion. Thank you so much. And for everyone at your workplace, bow bow down to the new symbol. I don't know where he works, but this should become their corporate logo. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate taking over your workspace. And... Let's give a shout-out to today's Patreon supporter coming into Dead Rabbit Command, walking on all fours, making little oinky noises. It's Piggy. I wasn't insulting the guy. Piggy is his name. Piggy, thank you so much for supporting the show. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Graffiti, paint your workplace in the logo. Help spread the word about the show. Really, really, really helps out a lot. Really appreciate it. Now, Piggy said, you know, I don't want to be in any disgusting episodes, which is good. If you don't want to be in a disgusting episode, it's good to note that. So uh, he's not on uh, Monday's episode. Monday's episode's going to be super gross. But uh, for today's episode, Piggy, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're flying all the way out to Trenton, New Jersey. Brrr he's like i said nothing disgusting man nothing disgusting as we see the sewage heap known as the state of new jersey in the distance. the only thing i really know about new jersey is jersey shore and the sopranos and it's like super polluted right i don't know if that's still true i don't know if it was ever true that was a big stereotype in the 80s when i was growing up that new jersey is where new york dumped all their trash So whether or not that's true, whether or not that holds any varying in truth, I heard it so many times in sitcoms and stand-up routines, I assume the state is just a giant pile of black plastic bags. But we're headed out there. It's July. (laughs) I lost every every listener in New Jersey. It's July 19th, 1948. We're in Trenton, New Jersey. It's 3.30 a.m. Very, very early in the morning. This little boy wakes up in his bed. We're going to call him... Sam. Sam wakes up. Ooh. Sam wakes up in the middle of the night. We don't know how old he is. Maybe he's like 10, 11 years old. He wakes up in the middle of the night, and something must alert him to kind of start skulking through the house because he ends up viewing, he ends up coming out and seeing five little men walking through his house. Now that was odd. He's like, what? There shouldn't be any little men here. I'm the little man. But not only are they walking through the house, these five little dudes are carrying his mom down the stairs. That's a shocker. That's a total shocker. So he goes to interfere. He has this natural, I got to save my mommy. And so he goes to do that. (laughs) And then all the bravery goes away when one of the little guys looks at him and says, if you interfere, you will die. So Sam just starts to slowly back up. As his mom is being carried down the stairs by these five little people. And he shuts the bedroom door. I'm assuming they don't give that detail, but I don't think he would leave it open. And he sees a bright light outside his bedroom window. And he runs to the window and he throws back the drapes and looks. And now he sees his mom walking with the five men into a blinding white light. And all six of them walk into the light. And then Sam says he doesn't remember falling asleep. He has no recollection of falling asleep. He's like, oh, well, that was exciting. See you later, Mom. I'm going to take a nap. Sam has no recollection of falling asleep, though. The next thing he remembers is, honey, honey, wake up. And his mom's like pushing his shoulder. You know how parents wake up kids. Wake up. Wake up, honey. And Sam's like, he's coming too. And it's his mom sitting there. Oh, Sam, I'm so glad you're awake. And he notices his mom has this really sad look on her face. She looks at Sam and goes, I have some bad news. I have some bad news. This morning I woke up, and you know that dog you love so much? Rusty. Rusty, your loyal pup. Been there through thick and thin. Always been your best friend till the end. Well, Sam, the end came last night. The mom says that when she woke up, she was walking around the house and she saw that Rusty had killed himself. Accidentally, accidentally. Leave a little note. There's like a bottle of pills next to him. She says, "I don't know what happened last night, Sam, but it looks like Rusty tried jumping out of the window and his collar got caught, and he hung himself right outside the house, right there. I left the body there for you to see." I, he must have seen an intruder and got so scared, or so brave, or both, he jumped out the window and he he died. He's hanging, or hung, or hanged, whatever it is. And the mom, the mom pulls up a dictionary to figure out what the right word is. Anyway, your dog is dead. That story came from a set of UFO reports called Mysterious Reality. I got it from Albert Rosale's humanoid report. A great resource for this type of things. Fascinating story. You could write off the first part as a dream, right? He was dreaming that he saw his mom. But the the way that this the way that this event, if it's true, is set up, is that the boy Sam did what the aliens said, or elves, or gnomes, or whatever they were, but tiny little people did what they said, and went back, but the dog didn't. That's what I got from when I read the story. I imagine they continued walking down the stairs, and the dog's all. Rrr! And the aliens go, if you interfere, you will die. And the dog jumped, like, I, I think that as she was walking in the light, the dog's like, I'll rescue your mom. And he jumped out the window. And there's actually a couple different ways you could read this. One, you, I'm going to go into a lot of ways a dog can die right now. So you might want to skip ahead uh, 30 minutes. The dog jumps out the window and its collar gets caught and it hangs to death. That's possible. It, it, it's horrible, but it does happen. Or that the dog jumped out and the aliens hung him. They caught him in air and then they hung him. There's no, there's no part of the story that actually says that, but that, that would be chilling too. I mean, it would be horrible if the dog accidentally killed itself. But also if the dog interfered and the dog hung itself, it's also possible that this was a message to the boy as well. To show their power, they said, if you interfere, we'll kill you. And he doesn't interfere, but the aliens go, you know, we better send a message to this kid. One thing that's interesting, I know if you're a victim of alien abductions, you're not going to want to hear this. But one thing is interesting with alien abductions versus other paranormal activity. People who see ghosts, you know, you have like mediums and you have like psychics and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I've seen ghosts, and there are often long periods of time, like we're talking decades, where I don't see another ghost. Most people who see ghosts, it seems to be location-specific. And you may see a ghost in, in your childhood and never, ever see another ghost. People who have alien encounters, they tend to have multiple alien encounters over the years. Whether or not they remember them... Is another thing, but it's when people talk about getting alien uh, abducted by aliens, like they're walking through an alley and they get abducted by aliens. That is not always the end for that. It's like you're marked. So it's possible that they would, this might not have been the first time these aliens came to the house. It probably wasn't the last. This was the one time that Sam woke up to see it. And since he saw it, and since he was going to remember that, maybe the aliens wanted to send the clear message. We're being serious. If you do see us again, do not interfere. We killed your dog last time. Next time, we'll kill you. And they give him a little box with a dog collar with a little Sam name on it. Terrifying story. And and there is a real difference between ghost hunters and even UFO hunters. They'll look up at the lights and be like, oh, look, what's up in the sky? And alien abductees. There's a... Alien abductees, I think, falls more in the realm of people who are like possessed by demons. It's far more serious than me breaking into a haunted house. Me being a ghost hunter, seeing ghosts interacting with ghosts. Once you start getting abducted by aliens, it's it's a little more serious. Once they're breaking into your, <laughs> once they're breaking into your house. Um, so yeah, interesting story. Uh, we do see aliens kill people from time to time, not even including cattle mutilations. Personally, I believe cattle mutilations are probably humans. I believe they happen, but I think it's the work of humans. For whatever reason, I still don't know, but we do see aliens kill people from time to time. We do still see anim- them kill animals from time to time, and they may be responsible for some of the cattle mutilations, sure. But uh, yeah, just a creepy story. Imagine that. It's this. That's be the same thing if you're living in a mafia-controlled area. <laughs> you're living in New Jersey. And the mob, you see something the mob doesn't want you to see, so they kill a loved one. They kill little Rusty, so. Creepy, creepy story. The moral of the story is if you ever see your mom in danger, just let her be. Just close your eyes and pretend she's not there. Nah, just joking. You should have jumped out the window too, bro. You should have tried to rescue your mom. But then I guess you probably would have died, so don't do that. So basically, the moral of the story is do not take advice from a man who hosts a paranormal podcast from within a haunted closet piggy. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind Trenton, New Jersey. We're going to fly all the way out to... Again, again, I don't know why I'm tempting fate. Wuhan, China. As we're flying out there, on my break, I saw some of the best movies I've seen... In a long time, and there was like a 48-hour period where I saw like five or six great movies in all these different genres, and I wanted to share them with you. Now, I'm not going to do them all at once, but you guys know I do my Dead Rabbit Recommends, and I can't wait to tell you about this first Dead Rabbit Recommends. I came across this movie, I'm going to tell you this right now. The title, super generic. The movie poster, super generic. I saw the movie poster a couple years ago when it came out, and I go, what is is this like Saw meets Tales from the Crypt meets like some sort of horror anthology? But I just happened to watch it the other day, dude. It is so dope. It's called Poker Night. And it's directed by Greg Francis. And I looked him up. Greg Francis does a lot of true crime like shows on like Discovery Channel and Investigation channels and stuff like that. You know, True TV, whatever. He does all of these true crime shows. But nestled into his filmography is this... I don't even know how to classify it. Horror movie? Crime thriller movie called Poker Night? To me, it is the best crime thriller since 7. Because that's a hard genre to really just stand out above. And it's basically two plots interwoven perfectly. One of the plots is a bunch of police officers are having poker night. And they're trading their best, most memorable stories with this new rookie on the force. And then the other part of the story is that Rookie is being held captive by a serial killer in a basement. And it's so, and knowing he does a lot of true crime stuff actually makes me wonder how many of those police stories are true. But it is so masterfully done. It does have the limitations of the budget, you see that, but it has a killer cast, no pun intended. You have Ron Perlman in it, you have uh, the dude, the chicken man from Breaking Bad, he was in the new Far Cry game as well. He's in it's so good. It's so good. And it's one of those movies that I don't really even want to give you any more of the plot because it's twist after twist after twist, and they earn each of the twists. Like, you're watching it, and you're like, "Uh, wait, huh, what? Oh, okay, okay, we're going in this direction. And then you're watching it for another 20 minutes, and something else happens. You're like, wait, huh, what? Oh, dude, no way! I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It's so dope to the point when the movie ended, and the, I was just staring at the ending credits with my mouth open going, uh, like, what in the world? It was such a masterful gym. Completely slept on. Completely slept on. Check out Poker Night. I think it's available on Netflix. Where is it available, actually? You can find it on streaming. It's a really, just a really, really well put together crime thriller, horror movie. It's just really, it's great. Dead Rabbit recommends Poker Night. Piggy, the reason why we're headed out to Wuhan, China is I recently got, this is actually right before the break, I got an email from a listener named Chromosophore. Chromosophore sent me this. Fascinating, fascinating story. And this is the type of stuff that I love being sent and covering with this stuff, is these weird fringe beliefs Now, this one has a lot of real-world implications, right? Because we're going to be talking about uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, and all that stuff. October 11th, 2019, in northeast China. Over the city of Songyon, a bright fireball appears. People look at it, you can see it. They go, oh, that must be a meteor coming down from the heavens. And everyone's just kind of waving at it or just ignoring it, going about their business. But is it just another meteor? Or did it change the way the world worked? Back in 1979, there was a scientist named In Chandra Wickramasinghe, And another scientist, he was working with this other scientist named Fred Hoyle. And they wrote a book, it was published back in 1979, called Diseases from Space. And the theory that is outlined in this book is that a lot of common diseases that humanity suffers, like influenza, the common cold, whooping cough, came from outer space. This was their premise of this book. And they, they studied this for 20 years. And what, for context here, Fred Hoyle was the guy who coined the term the Big Bang. So these aren't just like people who were doing some research on the Internet, which didn't exist back then, and then calling themselves scientists. These were respected people in their related fields. They started looking at it and they go, we think when we look at cosmic dust, there's a chance that within the cosmic dust, there might be the right components for life. And some of their, some of their, this is what's so interesting about science, right? That. Is possible. They've actually been able to confirm that yes, some of the cosmic dust that's floating through space does contain the building blocks for life. It's like carbon and nitrogen. So scientists go, yeah, they were actually able to confirm that. But then they go to the leap of panspermia, which is the idea that life begins on planets because of this. Or, you know, like life on Earth. I think we've all we, we've talked about it on the show before as well. That life on Earth was basically meteorites crashing into the soupy water of primordial planet Earth. And it had like a bunch of microbes in it. And they popped out and they're like, and they're like moving around and they're like just like eating each other, I guess. And then one becomes moss. And then the other one's like a fish and he's like eating the moss. And the moss is like, oh man, I should have evolved into something else. And basically, that is, that is a completely inaccurate way to explain the evolution of life. But... You would have planets that are nothing but, some planets are just dead, but some planets that have the right temperature and the right water and the right soil and everything like that, when these meteorites strike, when the planet passes through these clouds of cosmic dust, all of these building blocks of life are coming down to a lifeless planet and over billions of years are evolving. Scientists, the mainstream scientific community does not believe in panspermia it's considered kind it's not considered like a lunatic theory but it's not generally accepted so they came out with this book in 1979 and people read it and the scientific community kind of was like yeah we don't think that's what happened but they continue to push this idea and over the years just because the mainstream scientific community doesn't believe it doesn't mean that all scientists don't believe it over the years they've actually gotten other people to go well it's possible this is where life comes from, is from outer space. And if that is true, it's possible that diseases we get plagued from also come from outer space. In 2013, off the coast of Chile, scientists discovered the Pandora virus. <laughs> Don't name your viruses after bad bad people in or bad events in mythology. The Pandora virus. It's found off the coast of Chile, and oddly enough, in a pond in Australia, it's the second. Biggest virus on Earth. And so this was when uh, Hoyle had passed away at this point. But this is when Chandra goes, I think this is proof, again, that some of these... Because nothing on Earth has evolved to be this big that we can tell. It's the second biggest virus on Earth. And just just for comparison, the influenza A virus has seven genes to build it up. HIV has nine genes as part of its building blocks. Pandora virus has 2,500 genes. It can also move on its own. It's the only virus that is self-propelled. Okay, And the reason why the the scientific community is not freaking out about it is because it's mostly found in aquatic environments. It infects amoebas. But we don't think it's any harmful to human. You'd have to be swimming off the coast of Chile or be in this Australian pond, this unnamed pond. So they're they're not really concerned about it affecting humans. However, a couple years ago, there was this woman who was having some eye issues and in her contact lens was an amoeba. And in that amoeba was the Pandora virus. So this vi- possible alien virus was rubbing up against this girl's eye. But you go, Jason, so it's the second largest virus on Earth. So that means there must have been, even if it did come from outer space, something else must have evolved if it's the second virus. The largest virus on Earth was discovered in 2014. It was frozen. We, I think we all read about this in the news. It's from Siberia. It had been frozen 100 feet down in the permafrost for 34,000 years. So they're say, they they also look at that one and go, the people who believe in this theory of panspermia, that one was not natural evolution too. That's just too huge, right? The Pandora virus is the second largest, the... This the this other one found in Siberia was even bigger, but and then you have this massive leap down in scale to like nine genes and seven genes and things like that. We talked about we covered this a little bit on episode 649. We went to Chile because we were looking at the black carpet conspiracy. It was this theory that off the coast of Chile, there was this giant undulating black mass that just kind of moved around, and the story was that uh, swimmers were getting caught in it, and I think it attacked a submarine or something like that. I don't remember the details of the episode, but when I was reading this, I go, this sounds awfully familiar. So it's interesting that the sighting of this massive black algae, this like possibly sentient algae, I think it turned out to be Creepypasta or something. I don't remember, but that it was just interesting that we have that location is also the real-life location of... This Pandora virus. So, I mean, I guess the Creepypasta could be based on it. But I just wanted to make that connection as well. And that's a fun episode. Go back and listen to that one. And tell me whether or not it was Creepypasta. I don't remember. But it was a fun episode to talk about. So you have all this stuff going on. Like I said, other scientists are on board with this as well. Dr. Jean-Michael Clavier of the ix Marcellia, Whatever, dude. Some university in France. Some university in France, dude. He, Dr. Jean-Michael said that he believes that this Pandora virus has no ancestral cellular connection to anything on Earth, or at least anything existing anymore. He goes, listen, if it had an ancestor on Earth, it's not around. Like, this Pandora virus is so different than anything else we have. It has no relatives. So he's not specifically saying panspermia. But he's kind of like nudging the scientist next to him. He's like, I think this came from outer space. I'm putting words in his mouth. but So now we're looking at a new conspiracy theory. COVID came from outer space. So Chandra and some other scientists got together and recently published a paper asking the question, is coronavirus from space? They also connected, there's a thing called Candida fungal disease that's going around. It's it's hitting Canada pretty bad. They also believe that's from space. I guess the spoiler alert is they kind of believe everything's from space. But for the topic at hand, we're going to look at the COVID thing. And they said, listen, Spanish flu came from space, killed millions of people. The fungal disease they're talking about, they said, listen, the fungal disease has existed before 2009, but at 2009, it got way worse, way bad, super more infectious. What they believe is that the planet Earth passed through a cloud of radioactive cosmic dust and the fungus mutated and became even more viral, even more vicious. It's coming after you. It's looking for your eyeballs and stuff like that. And COVID-19 completely came from space like the Spanish flu. It wasn't a simple mutation. It was actually a meteorite coming down. So fast forward, we got the Pandora virus, which may have come from space. They were talking about influenza and the common cold coming from space. Basically, this is why we can't really defeat these things, because it's an alien menace. Like, it's just not meant to be on this planet. You're going to get the common cold every year. What are you going to do? So when Chandra and these other scientists recently put out this paper saying COVID-19 came from space, and they actually specify... The meteor that was spotted over China on October 11th, 2019, they said that that might have been a virus bomb. That could have been a bunch of viruses in that, or specifically the COVID-19 virus. And it explodes like meteorites tend to do. And then it rains down little particles on people. They're getting hit with pebbles. And one guy's, look at that. And he has his mouth open and a little, little virus lands on his tongue. Oop. (laughs) They didn't actually lay out that scenario, but the idea was that this meteorite contained COVID-19. It's a fascinating conspiracy theory. The problem that they started to run into is apparently when they were writing the paper, they said, since it's from space and there's nothing we can do about it, we don't have to worry about getting any sort of vaccine or doing anything like that. And the scientists are like, okay, listen, we might believe that panspermia exists, and, and I'm sure it does on some level, but to say that every disease comes from space... But if, you, if your answer is everything came from space and there's nothing we can really do about it, that's not super helpful. So when they were saying, oh, we don't even need a vaccine, that's when scientists were like, okay, this is where the theory can actually start to become dangerous, right? It's also interesting to look at their theory. They say that there was a meteorite spotted over Song Yang on October 11, 2019, and the virus appeared in November of 2019 in that same region of China. Northeast China. However, it I think whether or not you believe it came from bat soup or it came out of a laboratory or again in my ever-ending quest to get this podcast completely obliterated, built by some government or whatever. Bill Gates is over there with his 5G tower personally building the disease. However, you believe it happened, I think everyone agrees that it started in Wuhan, Wuhan, China. Which is in northeast China. This is where you start to get a little bit of the fudge going on. Because, yes, Wuhan is in northeast China, but it's 1,242 miles away from Songyang. So, that's a bit of a stretch, right? And they go, oh no, we got an answer for that. You see, meteorites, when they break up, pieces go everywhere... And maybe the maybe the extra juicy piece with all the viruses went towards Wuhan. I guess, right? It's possible. But you would have think you would have seen an outbreak over a larger area in the beginning. It wouldn't have been isolated to Wuhan. So there's no proof of any of this really outside of these theories. And I know that's how science works. They have to build up to the proof. I think what left a bad taste in people's mouth was one, the virus landing on their tongue when the comet exploded, and then two. Saying we don't even bother working on a vaccine. And this paper was published a long time ago. It was published back in July of 2020. So this is when people were still locking themselves in their houses and things like that. So when they came out and were saying, oh, we don't need any vaccines, then people were upset by that. But what's interesting, there's a really cool take on this from Rahan Gabriel Joseph on this website called cosmology.com. That kind of takes it to another level. This is where we're going to wrap up this episode. This is a really cool way to look at it. So let's say that this is true. Let's put on our conspiracy caps and say this is true. That these diseases that seem to plague mankind for years and years and years are alien. He goes, maybe this is why comets are seen as signs of doom. Maybe this is why when people looked up in the sky and they saw a comet, they thought the world was going to end. Because previous times, in previous civilizations, when a comet showed up, the Earth passed through the tail of the comet and got a face full of microbes. Or when a meteorite flashed into the sky, it brought death. It brought disease. We did an episode a long time ago about did aliens bring about the Black Plague? And you think about how much the world or especially like European history changed because of the Black Plague. And it wouldn't even have to happen every single comet or every single meteorite, bright, big meteorite in the sky. It wouldn't have to happen every time. But if it happened enough, your civilization as it's dying would write in its record books, we ended when the great light appeared in the sky great light appeared in the sky, and then two months later, the great and the poor both fell ill. There was no safety in the streets or in the temples. We were cursed by the gods. We have been written out of the books of humanity. How many times would that have to happen through human history before people just started seeing comets and go, oh And that is super common throughout history. Comets were seen not as a good omen, but as an omen of destruction. I keep using the words comet and meteorite kind of interchangeably here. Just a bright light in the sky. Something happening in the sky or even in the day if it's bright enough that it shouldn't be there. It's not part of the normal order. And as we're floating through space and we see these celestial objects today, we go, oh, that's just the way the universe works. Look at those old superstitious goons back then but maybe they had it right. Maybe when they saw these things, there was a chance. It didn't happen every time. There's meteor showers all the time. It didn't happen all the time, but it happened enough throughout world history that they became very cautious when they saw the brightest falling star or the comet that hung in the sky for weeks because these were heralds of doom. If they landed in the right area, could wipe out a civilization. So do I believe that COVID-19 came from outer space? I think the answer is far more terrestrial than that. COVID-19 aside, probably not, but when we look through the scope of human history and the diseases that have plagued us through human history, mysterious diseases that have popped up, I think we know the origins of COVID-19, but uh, previous uh, discoveries... Previous diseases that are unexplainable. Pandora viruses that are sitting off the coast of Chile. that just They're just too big to exist on this planet. To have evolved naturally. It makes sense of why other cultures would look up at the sky and be scared when they saw that. Because they all heard the stories of the previous culture. They had moved into this area. The buildings had been abandoned. The streets had been littered with bodies. So they built a new culture on top of it and they'd been there for 50, 100, 200 years and then once again, this comet's coming and they remember the old records. They remember the old stories. The light in the sky brought death. The gods were angry with them. Creepy. Makes us feel so fragile and small that for all of our medical technology, all of our wonderment, all of our... Hopes and dreams can be dashed because a rock that had been tumbling through space billions of years finally nears Earth's orbit. Everyone always talks about the planet killer meteorite that comes zooming from the opposite side of the sun. We don't see it in time. We have a day to prepare, and it smashes into the planet, ending life as we know it. But maybe it's not that dramatic. Maybe it's far less of a noble last stand kind of death. Maybe it's just that same meteorite coming into Earth's orbit. We don't even notice it. Maybe a couple rock nerds do. It burns up in the atmosphere, explodes over the Earth high in the atmosphere, and we go about our days, and this disease rains down on us. We catch the sniffles. We get a little bit of a sore throat. And then you hear about an epidemic in downtown Detroit. People are vomiting up blood in the middle of the day. It was was a Wednesday afternoon. People were getting off work and someone on the bus started vomiting up blood in the middle of the bus. They send in Ebola experts. It's not that. The disease continues to spread. It's mysterious. Your organs are being liquefied. You lose your vision. You're both paralyzed and your body is racked with uncontrollable seizures. Hospital beds, as far as the eye can see, of humans suffering, suffering, suffering. Until they finally die. This disease ravages Midwest United States. Within three months, it's spread across the entire North American continent. Borders are shut down. They don't even know what's causing this. But the borders are closed far too late. And the disease ravages the entire world. A disease from an alien world, mutated by cosmic dust during its journeys, pierces the sky of planet Earth and rains down hell. We always wanted to make first contact with an alien life form. Little did we know it would be last contact with an alien virus. It wasn't first contact. It was the last contact man would ever have. DeadRabbitRadio@gmail.com at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.